So instead, we use this process uh, called UDP, which essentially means imagine uh, imagine we just have a fire hose of data. And we're just like, you know, we're just going to keep the data flowing as high pressure and as fast as we can. And hopefully it, it might be putting out a fire. It might not be. That's not our problem. Our problem is just get the water out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we don't necessarily care about the individual droplets, you know, that are coming out of this fire hose. All we care about is, is the thing on the other end pretty much wet? Like mm-hmm. that's kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Butterscotch. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 290 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam, and I'm just sitting around. I'm Sam, and I got new warm gloves to keep my hands warm, you know? This is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is December 18th, 20 Blundy. Before we get started, we have a warning. There's going to be profanity in this show. We'd also like to thank our recurring supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. Thanks for letting us grab your money. All right, you guys. Today, we're going to, today on the show, we're going to throw some people under the bus. Mm-hmm. This is, this is bus throwing day. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's get it started in style. Starting, starting with T-Mobile. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we needed phones a while back. We got some phones. Got them through T-Mobile. T-Mobile's in town. They got the office. You know, they got. We go in there. We get the phones. We do the whole thing. We get. You get the app. You get the app on the phone to manage your account. Doesn't work. Doesn't do a damn thing. You mm-hmm. can't manage your account through the app. The app just takes you to the website. What does the website say? The website says four hundred four. Page not found. You want to do a thing? You can't do a thing because our website doesn't work. You just have to come into the office or be on hold so, for an hour and a half. That's, or your be on hold. You want customer service? No. You're going to wait two hours. Then at the end of two hours, we're going to say to you, hey, sorry, we don't really actually have any people around here working, so we'll just call you back at some point. Then they don't. Okay. <laughs> that's That's been a sort of a general summary of how things have gone. <laughs> and also, we should say we, we went with T-Mobile originally because this is the best kind of user experience you get from a normal telecom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So So recently – we were looking at, and, and, uh, that, that bill that just keeps going up. The rates just keep going up. We paid a lot of money for this amazing service. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, at a certain point, we kind of hit that like, hey, hey, what if we didn't though? You know? Yeah. Especially we when you're home list. all the time on Wi Fi, which means I'm not even using their shit 99% of the time. Yeah. So, uh, so we, we switched over, uh, to, to Google Fi. This week, and what a what a seamless transition. Except for on the T-Mobile uh, side, periodically. Except but. on the T-Mobile <laughs> side, which further cemented uh, that you know it's time for some bus throwing. So, so when I when I, I activated my Google Fi account, it transfers it transferred my number over to Google Fi, right? Because I'm on a new carrier just, and now. just magically. It just magically, they're just, they just sent me a little thing and they're like, here, just do these like two incredibly straightforward and simple things. And boom, you're in Google Fine. I was like, what? I don't need to go to an office and stand in line and be on hold or do anything. I just do two simple things that take three minutes. So I did that. And then I was like, ooh, actually, now that I'm no longer, I should go double check the T-Mobile site and make sure that I'm like no longer paying, that I can like mm-hmm. remove my payment stuff or whatever. I go to T-Mobile. My account's deleted. They just deleted it. <laughs> so they were like, you moved your uh, number, which means buy without any – Yeah, without anything since, since you moved your number, then you just – your email account, no, nothing works with us now. And I was like, shit, because I was the administrator of our business account. Mm-hmm. So they, just, they just deleted the administrator of the business account. Yeah, and now there is no administrator. So then it was a whole day of just like trying to get – administrator access back so that we could finish this migration process. <laughs> so it just it just really cemented that decision. Mm-hmm. So uh anyways, it was it was one of those experiences that uh that was kind of like really well, you, know you what make is- a decision and you think like, oh yeah, I don't know if this is the right decision. And then something happens like right at the end where you're like, oh my God, yes. This I think was it's totally like it's like decision. when you break up with when you go to break up with someone and then and you're like kind of feeling bad about it, but then they totally like 
they you totally do out. exactly yep, the do thing. exactly what you just said to me. <laughs> you know, and you're yeah. like, oh, okay, no, this is great. Yep, I've made yep, the right choice. Yep, yeah, right call, right call. Uh, so that was that was a whole process that happened this week, and I feel pretty good. Feel pretty good about that shift. Feeling light, feeling like the weight of the world. Yeah, actually, I will say that. So on the one hand, we're throwing things under the bus, but I think actually, much more importantly, uh, there's certain things that we've all grown up that were, have just been bad experiences. So like dealing with telecoms, dealing with cable, yeah. it's like just throwing just throwing telecoms under the bus because they suck. Uh, yeah, but, or but all kinds banking of websites, banking like all kinds of things, but. Uh, because we've all accepted that this, these are just bad experiences, um, then everybody just continues to make those bad experiences. But then periodically, because so so, we'll, I'll just keep supporting Google in this discussion. You know, so we got Google Fi now, but uh, but I've, I we were having some trouble getting sufficient Wi-Fi through our house, and so we were like looking into mesh routers and all these like cool new technologies, you know. And uh, and there were like so many things, there were so many options, so many decisions you can make, and like in the past, I've always like done tons of research on routers and then like figured out how to like set up really, really nice setups and like perfect, perfect, uh, uh, security and like all this kind of stuff. And I was like, I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. Why and am so, I becoming an IT expert? Why am I doing about? this? And yeah. so to have internet in my house. <laughs> yeah. So I, I went with the Google, Google nest router, mesh router, whatever they call the thing. Cause, cause like Google bought nest and now it's its own, whatever, however that relationship works. But but this, uh, but it came with this like beautiful unboxing experience. You know, like you open it up and it's just this cute little, this, and it looks nice. You know, normally you get a router and just like a fucking spider or it's this piece of <laughs> shit tower or whatever, you know? And like, put, the, so it's like, put the spider yeah, it's in just, a very tall, just, obvious place in your house where it's not yeah. blocked by anything. You're like, yeah, it's just, but it's hideous. They're, they're hideous. And yeah, you to, yeah, exactly. And you have to showcase it somewhere. So it's just this little cute thing that's like the size of a softball, right? And uh, and then normally then I'm like, okay, now I'm going to have to plug my, because in the past it's like you get a new router. Okay, plug it into your laptop or PC directly so you can talk to it or right and then you gotta you have to know what address you have to go to. So you're like, oh, I need to go, oh, I need to go to 198.162.1.1 yep. to like to log into the router. And uh, oh I gotta go find the default admin password. Like there's all this shit you gotta do. And then you're and then you're welcomed shit. with this horrible <laughs> interface that's like that assumes you know a million things. It's like, ooh, do you want the QOS on or off? And it's like, what the fuck? What are we talking what about? That? <laughs> what so, am I looking at? Yeah. So I got this so then I got this I got this Google Mesh thing, which I knew was going to be like easier to put together, but I didn't understand how easy. It was like literally like you you pl- you download an app. Same deal as with Google Fi. You get an app, you plug it in, and then Google's just like it just walks you through some steps, and you just hit a few buttons. And then and then it was like okay, setting it up, and then I just waited for like a minute, and it was running. And then I looked at the, and then I looked at it, and I was like, because I, I know it has both five G and two and a half G, and it, usually you got two separate networks. You're like choosing between the two. You're like, oh, which one's stronger, whatever. It's just choosing it for you. It doesn't even show you that there are different ones. Like now you open your phone, there's just one network as far as you can tell. And then behind the scenes, magically somehow, it's just constantly changing you to the one that is currently the best depending on where you are in your house. And I was like, what? It could have been like this. You know, yep, the whole, the whole time. time. You know, I had this uh, recently, you know, speaking of technology that somehow hasn't gotten disrupted yet. Printers, uh-huh. okay. Printers, <laughs> My fucking printer last last week. I go to print uh-huh. one thing, which is like you know, again, working from home, not exactly doing a lot of paper based things, anyways. But I go to print something, and the printer is it's it's been a good workhorse for like probably five or six years, and it just decided it no longer could tell if there was paper in the tray. <laughs> right. That was it. So I took it apart. I like rubbed off the sensor. Did all the stuff you can try to do to make sure that it, like, maybe will work again. Uh, and a no. printer has, like, three jobs, right? It's like, know how much paper's in the tray, mm-hmm. and then move paper out of the tray and put ink on it. Yep. Those are the those are its three yep. jobs. And, uh, yeah, so it started <laughs> failing on the one. And so after taking it apart, cleaning it up, and putting it back together, and then having it fail again, I was like, oh, no. This means I have to literally buy a new printer, which – as you know, it's always just not a good thing because you look around and I was like, so the the first mistake I made was I looked and I just, I got like the top rated one that was in the same kind of uh, the same brand. So I used the Brother printer model. Um, and I just went on Amazon, got the top rated one. It comes in two days thanks to, you know, two day shipping, which is amazing. Go to plug this bad boy in, get it set up and it doesn't have wireless connectivity. And I was like... <laughs> I didn't realize I had to specify in 2020 that I wanted to <laughs> not 
like, what the fuck? What, I was wait, like, wait, are you telling me, Sam, that you don't want to have a cable running directly from your own personal was computer like, into your? Is printer? this a was thing? That? Yeah, what is this? Is this for yeah. real? And I was so con- <laughs> I was so confused. And then my wife was just laughing at me because she was like, "You bought a printer without like you didn't read the whole thing." And I was like, "I just I can't believe that this." It Would seems he, like you should be able to make that assumption, you know. I mean, right? you can get like a you can get like a Raspberry Pi from 2010 for like three and a half dollars that has Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I was like, what? And so, you know, a lot of you know a, a lot of you know rightful mocking, I think, on her side took place, uh, and then she placed the order for the for the replacement one because I was like, I don't trust myself anymore because apparently. You know, even with a printer, the one obvious function it needs when everyone has tablets, phones, and uh, laptops these days is uh, not present in the most popular model on Amazon. So, uh, but even speaking of that, like the whole experience of printer stuff, still garbage. Still absolute garbage. And we're going to go to their website. Yeah. You have to install drivers from their website, you know, and then you'll have to like go to the printer. It'll probably have some kind of like LCD screen that looks like it's from a calculator from 1992. Yes. I had to type in our password to the internet using a, yeah, a single using button. Like, <laughs> probably using like a single up, down arrow yep. and maybe like a middle button. And like you're just going through the alphabet, like A through Z one at a time, doing that whole thing. Uh, oh, wait. Oh, what? You have capital letters? That's a whole separate thing. You got to go yep. first past the first 26 letters. Listen, I have an air conditioner for my bed. Whose remote, <laughs> whose remote control works better than a fucking printer? Yeah, right. Yep. That is. What is this? What What's wild. the deal with the printer companies? And also, how I come no one swooped though, in? You know, no one swooped in because uh, I think I think the printing industry. I think it's you know it's eventually not very, not very lucrative. I think it's on the decline. Yep. Nobody wants to print you know, anything. Nobody this thing is like I print in. things like three times a year. So then I just put up with the shitty printer experience each time. And you know when you know when you print things, Adam? It's when you have to deal with an institution that hasn't updated its processes for twenty years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like they're like like a bank. Yeah, they'd be like, Hey, uh can I'm gonna email you this document because we it's like that's easy for us to do. I'm gonna email you this document. I'm gonna need you to print it, sign it. Bring it in in person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or fax it in. And I'm like, can't you send me like a hello sign, like a digital signature? Why can't we do that? And they're like, we don't, we're not set up to handle that. And I'm like, I'm not set up to handle this, to be honest with you. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not here for it, you know? Oh, Ridiculous. Man. We need, I mean, this is where I feel like, you know, we as, as, as consumers need a stronger presence to be able to band together and just say enough, you know? Like here's, well, here's the they, thing. we're already doing that. We're already boycotting printers because nobody needs them anymore. Like this is already happening. It's sort of an accidental boycott. But, yeah. but here's here's the thing. Like sometimes you're playing a video game, you're fighting a boss. The boss is very strong, you know. And eventually the boss just says, Enough. And then they become invincible and then they just run away mm-hmm. and, and just stop participating. Right. We need to do that. As as customers, as a society, we need to have an enough moment with some of this bullshit where we just we just stop. Well, I think this is probably we talk about the issue with you know the systems that you don't touch and how those are always the systems that one when they break down are you're at a loss because yeah you know you never touch the damn thing and then two they're always the systems that you will never improve on which I think to add to your both your points basically like printing is actually in this exact horrifying category of devices that is currently slated to always be present in everyone's life, but also always terrible because mm-hmm. you're not going to be using it enough to ever, no one's ever going to get pissed off enough and then say like, but then but the then, market but this, is big enough. I don't know. But then, but, the, but the interesting thing is that, that there are still things where that, that rule doesn't apply. Cause like going just along the full same vein, I also just bought, cause I was curious, uh, a nest, um, or Google, whatever their company is now called, um, uh, f- smoke detector slash carbon monoxide detector thing, you know, mm-hmm. but it's like the smart home style thing. So, but yeah, like who, who would, who would think you would need a, a smart version of that? Right. But let me tell you about what this thing can fucking do. And again, it's like, it's like, I don't realize how shitty the normal experience is of using a smoke detector until you get, until you get this. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, so this thing, it'll just, it'll just send you an alert to your phone when its battery is low. Right. 
instead oh, of screech, instead screeching of like a banshee? Right? <laughs> well, instead of screeching in such a way that you also can't tell which fucking one it is. Because oh, yeah, like, you can't house, tell which one it is. It's it'll a fifteen-minute game to figure out yeah. where the chirp's coming from. Right? Yeah, it'll tell yeah. you which one it is. Also, with with my with our little uh, wireless mesh access points, because we have two in the house. Um, if one of them, so I, I noticed, I just I just noticed it once because I unplugged my my desktop setup because I was doing some computer stuff, and also my phone popped up an alert and it was like, hey, we can't talk to one of your one of your routers, like you should check and make sure it's plugged in. And I was like, it just, it just knows. Wow, it just yeah. knows that. Right. So anyway, so anyway, so this thing, this thing, uh, you can, you can run tests on it whenever you want to. It'll automate running tests, which you're like, you're supposed to actually test your smoke detectors like once a quarter or something like that, or once a month. Right. Who's doing that? And nobody's doing that, but this one, just, <laughs> it'll just do it automatically. Uh, so that's just happening. And then, well, you're and then supposed to like walk up off, and- like poke it or yeah. something. Like yeah, you have to like push a thing on it. Yeah, and push then it screams in your yeah. ear when you poke. And it screams yeah. in your ear. That's how you know it works. <laughs> so this it just like does it automatically, silently, and then tells you if it didn't work because that's the only time that it fucking matters. Uh, and then uh, and then if it goes off when you don't want it to, and also you can snooze it, so you can be like, oh, you're about to get some smoke because I'm cooking. So just like don't worry about it. You can just tell it to do that. And then also if it starts to go off because it does hear something, then you can just tell it, no, this is fine. Right. But if you like now, if you think back, like to the experience, like unfortunately our house is like, yep. like vertical enough that that's we don't have this problem. But in the past, I've lived in places where like like one out of five times we cook, the fucking smoke detector goes off. Oh, man, whenever like we make bacon, towel against it. Yeah. Whenever we make bacon. <laughs> Like trying to get the smoke away. No, like, as you're describing like, this. Suddenly yeah, you just don't have to do. Any yeah. I'm realizing that. that that I should invest in some of these smoke because like i have been so annoyed it's been you know i guess a couple years now living in this house and the placement of these smoke detectors is such that you you just can't tell where the hell the chirp is coming from (laughs) and then whenever we make bacon someone's got to go out with a towel and wave it around like they're in the flag (laughs) corps you know and i'm just i didn't realize that this was not i didn't have to do this you yeah, know? that's exactly. Yeah, I, I didn't know either. I, I just got this thing because I was like, "Oh, this like, sounds kind of nice." Because well, I needed a new one anyway, and so I was like, oh, "I'll just get one of these just to see." Because I'm kind of getting in. But yeah, to me, all the smart home stuff sounded like this is just unnecessary techie stuff, yep, right? Yep. But as I've actually like just just barely touched. I, oh, another thing that I bought, which is not a Google product, so you can stop advocating for them, uh, is <laughs> is, a, is an automatic water shutoff valve. I still have to get it installed because it requires professional installation, you know. But but it's. Again, it's one of these things like I never, never thought, never even think, thought to consider existed. But it's a thing that you just like stick into your main water supply line coming into your house, right? And it's just a big ass valve that you can just turn the water on and off, just like you normally have. Only normally you have a, a manual crank that you just like yank on yep. really hard if you need to turn your water off, right? So it's automatic and it's on Wi-Fi. It's got an app, the whole deal. You can just push a button to turn it off. But it's also measuring flow rate constantly, right? So it knows if there's a leak in your house. It just Whoa. fucking knows. Yeah. Right. Oh. And then it will just turn itself off if there's a fucking leak in your Instead house. Instead of like four <laughs> days later being like, hey, the wall's a different the color. The wall fell off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you just like, you don't have that anymore. And, uh, and then it has like these little detectors that are also on Wi Fi that you just can place around your house in places that like might have other kinds of leaks that it wouldn't detect because it's like during normal use or whatever. So like underneath your, your washing machine your or, whatever. or whatever. Yeah. And then if those detect moisture, it just, causes your fucking water supply to turn off, you know? So like, cause I have a few paranoias. One is water damage and one is fire. So, so I'm trying to slowly like just fix these in, in the, in the house, but such a better now, user. Now, now does it know, like if you're, if you're currently taking a shower, right? Like you're all mm-hmm. soaped up and then it turns out that there's also a leak like under your, your washing <laughs> machine. Does it let you finish your shower first? <laughs> Probably not, but also I wouldn't want it to. If there's a leak under my washing machine, like I want to go address that and then get back in the shower, you know? Mm -hmm. So maybe what it should do is it should sort of scream from your phone, be like, oh, oh, fuck, there's a leak. Wrap up the shower, buddy. Uh We got it. You got, you got 30 seconds to de soap before we get this thing. Yeah, because I've had two leaks in the house that were, that I fortunately caught in time, but I I very well could have not. Um, Actually, three. One, one just like, like the, the sump pump stopped working and so stuff just backed up and then got the whole basement wet. Another one was a line that went out from the basement, just exploded, but it like only exploded a little bit. So it was just, it was just like 
slowly running water to the basement for like half of a day before we realized it. Mm-hmm. And so again, everything is just fucking soaked, right? And another time in the garage, it exploded and the garage water comes from, you know, again, from the, from the house. And so, and that would explode. I didn't know it until I went to go turn on something else and the water pressure was really low. And I was like, why is this happening and i couldn't figure out why and then i went out to the garage to check and it was just fucking hosing the garage down <laughs> from this exploded pipe. and it's the kind of stuff that like had i had this thing it just would have stopped being a problem immediately and then i would have gotten an alert that was like mm-hmm. oh hey uh something exploded you should probably go look around and try to figure out what it was so anyway i'm, I'm, I mean, starting, I'm, to, I'm starting to buy in on smart house technology well okay i got i got one final i got one final enough moment what you got? Before we move on, before we move on to talking about what people really want to talk about, which is of course Crashlands Two, uh, <laughs> which is gutters, gutters uh, on your house. Yeah. yeah, okay. Gutters are shit. They fill up with every piece of garbage. Yep. And uh, I guess historically, we all decided two hundred years ago, like this is just the only way to get water off your roof. Mm-hmm. You know, water's coming down your roof, and uh, you got to. You put it in the gutter, it runs down the gutter, and then it goes down down a hole, right? So uh, we, it was like, you know, we, we had the problem that probably many people have who have gutters, which is they just are fu- constantly full of leaves and garbage. And you periodically have to ri- either risk life and limb, you know, by climbing up on a precarious ladder or getting up on the roof and like, just, just like hoisting disgusting old ass leaves out of there mm-hmm. and throwing them into a bucket or something. So that's you know that's the experience. Or you make somebody else do that. Like those are your two, <laughs> yeah. those are your two options. <laughs> so we got one of those like leaf filter things. It's this this mesh thing that I was like a gutter uh, guard, right? Or something like that. Yeah, it's like a gutter guard thing. And I was super skeptical because I'm like, I mean, this is going to like. It's just a screen. Like this it's going to, fu- it's going to, yeah, it's, it's going to like, stuff's going to get caught on it. It's going to fuck with the flow and stuff. And so I never really looked into it. Uh, but our gutters were just getting so bad. It's so annoying. that eventually we, we, we looked into it and we got it hooked up. And uh, oh my God. Oh my God. Just like, permanently solve your problem. Forever. It just permanently solves the problem. <laughs> <laughs> you just never have to worry about it again. Uh-huh. Uh, and and also, you know, there's uh, there's concerns like you're talking about like water damage to stuff. Well, like gutters are a big part of that because if they aren't redirecting water that's coming onto your roof properly, then you end up with tons of water around the foundation of the house where it's not yep. supposed to be instead of being directed away. Boom, that problem solved. Just fixed. So, <laughs> anyways, uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty remarkable how long we're all willing to just put up with garbage, you know, before <laughs> yeah, yeah, before. Before finally having that enough moment. Well, I think a lot of it is it's really expensive to to be able to not put up with that stuff, you know? Yep. So so it's not it's not available to everyone in general um, because of that. But then even when it is available to you, you still have to make that hard decision. Like like this automatic water shutoff thing, very expensive. Um, each one of these like each one of these Google uh, you know, smart devices, like at minimum hundred bucks a pop, right? So it's like and so so now you're debating like, oh, do I spend like whatever that is, like five bucks for a normal uh, smoke detector, right? And then just put up with all the bullshit. Uh, or do I spend literally a hundred dollars on a smoke detector, which seems like a completely Sounds crazy. insane thing to yeah. do and is also not available to to most people. So mm-hmm. uh, so like I get it. I, yeah, it's it's uh, it's just stupid that we all have to put up with. Well, these, I think you, you know you need to have a good a good uh, defined capacity for enduring nonsense because much of life is just that, right? Yeah. But I think the the difficulty comes like when you reach a point where you're you're actually in a good enough state where you could not have to do some of that, but and then it's easy to just it. yeah, it's easy to just keep on <laughs> keeping on, right? Because you're like, well, I mean, literally my whole life I have. Whenever there's been smoke in the house from uh, from a kitchen cooking situation, I run around with a towel. Like yeah, I whip out my towel and I just start whacking the ceiling. That's yeah. his tradition. And to me, these are the, to me this is the real luxury. Like going on a on a, like a nice vacation to you know a beach or something. Like like that's great. That's that's a way to spend a whole bunch of money in one go, right? Uh, and it's definitely a luxury thing. But to me, it is way less luxurious to do that than it is to Didn't have a not have to do a chore. You know? <laughs> if I could just not have to do a chore ever again, uh, ooh, man, that is the best luxury that money can buy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, let's let, let's move on from throwing various products and companies under the bus uh, for now. We'll get back to it. We'll get back to it. I do want to talk a little, a li- just a, a smidge about um, what's going on with Crashlands 2 development. 
which is we are deep in the weeds of grappling with uh, multiplayer stuff. And again, this is not a promise that Crash Dance 2 will have multiplayer. This is us going through R&D, figuring out um, what it would take to get multiplayer in there, looking at those problems and trying to see like what the potential cost is, you know, yeah. of getting this into the game. This so. is a promise that we are giving it an honest evaluation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we just want to talk a little bit about this, this fun and interesting reliability problem that comes with multiplayer games that, that you may not need, that you may not know about, or you may not have ever had to think about, which is, uh, multiplayer games need to be fast, right? Like I, I whack a, a zombie and you should see me whacking that zombie like pretty, pretty much, much right away, yeah. like right now, like yeah. as it happened, Ideally. you know? Yep. Um, but the problem is that uh, the problem is one of making sure that information actually gets from one computer to the next because that's expensive. Like guaranteeing that when I smack that zombie, that that little bit of information goes to your computer is actually a pretty involved process. And that's what is reserved for something called a TCP connection, which is what like your normal web browser uses and stuff. Because uh, like you, you wouldn't expect like if I if I type up an email and hit send, you wouldn't expect it to be the case that that email would suddenly just not go through, right? Like mm-hmm. that has just, to go. It's through. just gone now. Yeah, yeah. Like imagine that. Like you sent an email and it's just fucking gone, and that that was like <laughs> you know like two percent of the time your that emails just just are gone, right? Yeah. Um. So, so when it comes to multiplayer games, we actually can't use that that TCP protocol. Um, because of how slow it is to make sure that things happen. Mm-hmm. So instead, we use this process uh, called UDP, which essentially means imagine uh, imagine we just have a fire hose of data, and we're just like, you know, we're just going to keep the data flowing as high pressure and as fast as we can. And hopefully it, it might be putting out a fire. It might not be. That's not our problem. Our problem is just get the water out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we don't necessarily care about the individual droplets, you know, that are coming out of this fire hose. All we care about is, is the thing on the other end pretty much wet? Yeah. So, so the difficulty here is that, and I think the fire hose is a good analogy because not every droplet is coming out at the same speed. Mm-hmm. They're kind of spraying out. A lot of them are missing, you know? Um, and so we have to then build these, these layers into the games of systems to sort of loosely keep track of certain things that do matter. So if I, if I do actually like hit a, a zombie and deal 20 damage to it, if that little packet of information doesn't make it, that's a big deal because mm-hmm. now I see the zombie with less health than you do on, on your computer. Uh, so, so we have to have like certain things that we build these little systems to make sure that, that we get the information and other things we just don't care. Like if I'm running in a straight line, then I'm just kind of like continuously sending updates about my, my position in the world. And like, maybe one of those doesn't get through, but that's okay. Cause I got another one coming. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm just running, I'm just running in a straight line. I'm spraying mm-hmm. that information through the fire hose. Um, and so, so we've been doing a lot of interesting experiments this week just trying to figure out like, what do, what can we let fall through the cracks? What do we need to keep track of? And if we do need to keep track of something, how do we do that in a way that isn't super slow and bad and mm-hmm. dumb? Um, well, because the other kind of piece of this, whole, of this whole problem, right, is that not only are we shooting things through through this fire hose, it's – imagine if what we actually did is there is like – we had one big fire hose, right? And then like right directly across from it, we just duct taped a bunch of little hoses together like in a big bundle, right? And we were spraying into that. And then all those little hoses, now we just like are random lengths and then we just like put them in different spots of the house. So we're trying to like, we're trying to like wet the whole house, right? <laughs> and like do it through different windows and like and all this kind of shit. So you're, you're spraying this thing like into this weird spider, right? So now any given droplet, like you don't know when the fuck it's going to end up in the house, right? Right. It's probably going to get means- there. It's going to get there somewhere. Yeah. Uh, and so this, this, actually ha- this is how the internet works, right? Is you, is you send a packet of data and then it just goes around the world and like all these different places. It gets like knocked through all these routers across, you know, from between your computer and where it has to go. And there's no guarantee that any two sent back to back will take the same route, which means 
They could, they could come in different, different times. They could come in a different order. Yeah. Come in a different order. So now you don't know what order things are going to arrive in. And you don't know if everything's going to be there. And now let's say you're like, okay, but I want to be able to guarantee that certain things get there. Well, the way you do that is to first discover, did it get there? Right. But you, but how do you know it didn't get there? Right. Cause it might just, cause you don't know yet. what you're expecting. Yeah, you don't know what you're expecting. So that means, right? you have to wait, yeah, that means you have to wait a bit. So now you wait a bit. Before you're like, mm, I think I probably am not going to get this. So you have to know that you were expecting something and then also wait a bit to say that you didn't get it and then tell the other thing like, oh, I need this. I need this again or, or whatever. Right. Yeah. Uh, so now we've all of a sudden got a, a delay that we've built into this thing, which now guarantees that when information does finally arrive, it's really out of order. Right. Mm-hmm. So is this old as fuck? Yeah. Old, it, old as fuck, meaning like 0.3 seconds. But yeah. still. <laughs> so now what do you do? Now, now, like, imagine that was an XY coordinate of like where your player's been running to, right? And now, for some reason, we were like, ooh, this one's important, right? Um, but now, but now my game already knows like the player's supposed to be here, but suddenly it gets this information that, oh, yeah, a third of a second ago, the player was in this other spot. And then, and then I get moved there. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Um, but on the other hand, if the player was like swinging an axe, then even if I got that information a third of a second ago, actually I do need to play the swing and axe animation, even though that's an old piece of data, right? Mm. So how? So so long, long story short, you know, you know, we we made an MMO in a weekend during the Shenanigan Jam 2019. Mm-hmm. It was doing none of these things, right? Because there, there's a big difference between just blasting as much information as you can uh, across a network for a jam game, and you know what? If it crashes for people, if the game state desyncs. Whatever. Which literally is what happened after a short period of time. That a lot of the images that were on screen for people, the, the picture, like the trees and other things that were out there in the world, weren't actually there. Yeah, you go try to yeah. interact with them and nothing happens. And you'd see so, yeah. people yeah. stuck in animation frames. So there, you'd see people walking around with their mouth open. They <laughs> yeah. tried to bite something. And, they, did, uh, yeah, they, they didn't get the information that the frame completed, right? So yep. we knew it started, but we're not that the action finished. Yeah. So the the thing that we're researching is not just like, hey, how do we make a multiplayer game? Like we know that. Yeah. Question: you, How do we just, make you a just send data? That's like, that's yeah. an, it's an easy problem. Yeah. How do we make a reliable, commercially viable multiplayer game? Which you is know, a whole can, different fucking thing. Yeah, that's why you that see people those, can depend on. Yeah, you see those YouTube comments again, as we talked about before. People are like, just add multiplayer, or you see something in like Unreal Engine or Unity where they're like, yeah, this is like a drop in multiplayer thing, and sure. It is sure, uh, but yeah. <laughs> it's not. It's not going to uh, to cut the mustard when you get a thousand people playing all at once, or when you're trying to reduce your server costs. You know, to not be so. And it, and it doesn't automatically solve these questions for you. Like, what happens if I get information out of order? What should happen? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that that can't just be answered automatically because that because what that information is matters, and then there aren't any two games except for like maybe clones of first-person shooters or something, right? But even there, there's like just enough differences typically that there's just no generic way to say, okay, here's what, here's how to know what data matters. Here's what doesn't matter. Here's how we can compress it so that it's all really efficient um, and cheap. Because even things like, so right now we're, we haven't tried any compression at all. Because we're, the goal is like figure out how to do it, figure out how to model the data. Don't worry about that part yet. Send it in the in the easiest way to think about possible, and later do an enormous amount of of uh, compression to change how it all how it all is is encoded. And so we're just seeing these like it's a, just an enormous amount of data, right? Uh, and and so it would cost us like it's not a big deal even right, right now for like for two players to be running around the screen. But as soon as we actually get the rest of the stuff hooked up, it's probably going to cost us something like maybe twenty cents an hour just for like a few people to be playing one game, right? Which isn't very much for that hour. But that's way but, too fucking much. But if you start adding that up, like if the game is successful, right, you start adding that up and our server costs are going to be fucking astronomical, right? Uh, so then you have to take it. Now there's that you have to deal with. Yeah. Because if we're making a single player game, we just we put it out there and people will pay us for it. And then we don't have to worry about resources Ongoing beyond costs. that point. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, so there's tons of just really wild questions that come when, when you when you start to scale things, when you want to make sure that people have a, a good time without crashes or, or problems, um, which kind of brings us to the next topic. Oh, yeah, Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> what a week it's been for for CD Projekt. Is it still CD Projekt Red or is it just CD Projekt now? Uh, it's CD Projekt Red, I think. Yep. Well – uh, here's what happened. Cyberpunk. 
Big time hype. We talked about it last week. Everybody's talking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got like 8 million pre-orders. They launched on PlayStation. They launched on on uh, Xbox. They launched on PC. Highest peak and current users on Steam for a single-player game of all time. And one of the things we talked about last week was how it was kind of it was kind of weird. How like they they really just didn't let people see the console version of the game pretty much at all prior mm-hmm. to launch. Well, now we know why. Yeah, and it's because it's a real shit piece. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is so bad that uh, the number of players requesting refunds for the console version and, – and I, I just want to just like backtrack a second, just note that like PlayStation 4 and Xbox One came out in 2013. Yeah, and that's consoles, old hardware. Consoles in the year that they are released are basically like mid, mid-tier gaming PCs in terms of power because they're like $400, which is, you know, like you can't get a lot of power for 400 bucks. Yep. Right? So – so take like a like a mid tier gaming PC from 2013 and try to run Cyberpunk on it. You you have a very bad time, and that's basically what's happening with PlayStation Four and Xbox. One, which you know, right? yeah, which just totally makes sense that that it makes sense was a very yeah. hard thing to do. Um, so the game is running so badly. There are so many bugs that the volume of players uh, demanding refunds um, has just essentially like crushed everybody in its wake. Um, this isn't really a problem on on uh, PC because the PC stores that uh, you can get it through, they all, you just like get your money back. It's not much of a problem on Xbox either because Microsoft has a two week refund uh, window. So that's okay. It's been a bit of a problem for, for PlayStation. Um, What happened was CD project basically just said to their players like, Oh yeah, if you're having a hard time running the game, just go ahead and request a refund. That actually doesn't jive. With Sony's refund policy, which doesn't exist, basically, which doesn't, which is apparently it's ad hoc, uh, mm-hmm. and so so CD Projekt basically just like dumped a a real buggy bad experience onto millions and millions of players on PlayStation, and then just redirected the ire of those players onto Sony, and then, <laughs> so Sony's like, oh shit, and so then Sony it was scrambling to figure out. What to do? They ended up opening up full refunds to anybody who requested it, provided they can verify specifically purchase. for this game. Yep, specifically for Cyberpunk. And then, up uh, my bet is that the number of refunds they had to issue once they opened that up was so great that they just said "fuck it." Because what happened next was Sony removed Cyberpunk from its store. Yeah, which, which is for I assume it's still there for. Like available to PS5, I, I I think, but it is definitely not available for PS4 anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's a big deal. Yeah. That is like, a, <laughs> a good, as far as again, we, we talk about, you know, games being a, an extremely, it's, it's so hard to get a game across the finish line. You know, even, even the games that we make as a, as a very small team with the level of complexity and scale they have, you talk about cyberpunk, uh, you know, this a project's been in the work in the works for seven years uh, like it's, it's the bleeding edge of every piece of tech that there is. Yeah, like getting having a platform after your launch pull the game from sale is is literally like that's the nightmare because scenario. of quality. Yeah, because, because of, quality. of quality. Yep. Yeah, that is the nightmare scenario because like what you literally can't. I mean, if you can't sell, like they're your distributor. So if you can't sell through them, like you know, God forbid that that Microsoft is like. Actually, yeah, we're going to follow Sony's lead because, like, refunds cost money. Like, this is the thing people don't get too is like doing chargebacks and stuff like that uh, does cost money uh, for the the platform holder. So you don't want a game on your store that actually ends up costing you cash at the end of the day, especially at a scale of something like what is you know apparently the scale of, of Cyberpunk. Um, yeah, there's a real possibility that people can lose some, some money on this, and so yeah, I mean it's it's that's the ah. That's just the worst. It's yeah, and, and I think the thing that really kind of like gets my goat about this whole thing is we, you know, we've been making games now since we've been publishing games since 2013, and we've gone through a wide range of different uh, levels of scrutiny as we publish our games onto different platforms by the platforms themselves by the platforms yeah. themselves because you know if you, you publish something on the app store you publish something on switch or on xbox or, or whatever um they they take a good hard look at your game and they have a bunch of rules you know where they're like 
the game has to run well. It has to respect the constraints of the device. You know, it can't like make the device. It can't brick the device. Mm-hmm. Um, they it has, have a lot it has to co- integrate with some of our services or, or if it does integrate with them and it's optional, it has to do it in a way that doesn't like make us look bad or, yeah. or and destroy like our services. Yeah. And, and we've bumped into these kinds of things in a, in a, a less egregious way in the past where like maybe, uh, I remember at one point we, we had trouble with a uh, flop rocket and, and some of our earlier games when we were integrating Beastcatch ID. Um, but they exactly mirrored, um, Hearthstone in terms mm-hmm. of the login flow. And we got, we got, uh, we had a hard time getting through because of things like the login flow, even though already existing, very popular, successful games, um, we're doing, just exa- we're doing exactly what we were doing. And it kind of, at the time it kind of opens this question of like, maybe the rules don't don't always apply equally, you know, to all parties. Which, of course, um, isn't a surprise to anybody because that's yeah. always true. It's always yeah. true. And and even even more recently, we we've, we've had some some uh, finicky things with. And I'm not talking. I'm not going to like point out specific platforms that we've had trouble with because, you know, we don't need to do that. But um, but we've had we've had trouble with even something as simple as like on Levelhead having a line break on a single interface change this flow of a single sentence in a way that was slightly harder to visually parse than normal or having a or having a and button like that's, having a button uh, that that didn't quite match the padding and font size requirements um right so like oh yeah so that we, one about drove me fucking insane yeah, that yeah. so all. we've <laughs> yeah so we've we've literally had had platforms just tell us like no we literally will not publish your game because your because font of, is too small on one button <laughs> yeah, because and of only this a little, not like so small we can't read it. It's just like yeah. it doesn't quite hit spec. Like if you measure it out, you know, like yes, it is like point three percent within the guideline, but actually, like, there is a guideline. Oh yeah, that was it, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And oh so, like, so that's how that's how how uh, much scrutiny we've seen our games hit from time to time as we're trying to get through some of these hurdles, you know. And then to see this, uh, just br- up, just. Just go out into the public in this state uh, is pretty wild. Yeah, and we should say like this is true, but this also isn't like the the fault of the quality of the game does not lie with the cert team, right? Because yeah, this is uh, a separate thing we're talking this, about at this point. Yeah, yeah, so it's like it's not it's not the cert team's fault that the game then was like broken and like and it is true that that you, I would have expected cert given the scrutiny that we've seen for our own games to have caught just how broken it was, you know? Um, but we also know, and, and all of the CERT teams say explicitly, like, CERT is not for QA. That is not its purpose. Its purpose yeah. is to make sure that the guidelines that we have are being followed. And the, and the extent of those guidelines varies by platform, and some are very light, some are very rigorous. Um, but also, they all, all those teams have limited resources. It is, it is still surprising that with a thing of the scale of, uh, of uh, cyberpunk... That there weren't maybe a few more resources put towards checking it yeah. out. Well, but my my bet is though is that my like what I would bet anything is that cert failed it would be my hundred percent. Yep. And and then now we have these two enormous companies that are at a crossroads, right? Where it's like you've got I guess you know, a you whole get, bunch of companies, right? You got eight million pre-orders already. Okay, yeah, you know, people like, loads of money on the line, and, yep. and now the question is, is like. Because this, this happened to us too, right? We we failed cert, and they just made an argument that okay, well, yeah, that's te- technically true that we failed this one requirement or whatever. But here's our argument for why that's actually okay. We've done that on numerous occasions, right? Mm-hmm. And we've had the platforms agree. And so, so without a doubt, this thing failed cert. That's probably what happened. And then, <laughs> and then some two people talked to each other, right? And came to the conclusion that that was acceptable, right? Yep. And uh, and probably those probably that was. It was you know people high up at CG Project Red because as we've seen from all of their current uh, correspondence, like they were fucking pushing. No, come hell or high water, that game was coming out on that day. But mm-hmm. didn't nothing mattered. Didn't matter. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the CEO, the CEO has has publicly stated because they they had an earnings call uh, recently as well, and so like publicly stated that they ju- they just ignored the problems. Like mm-hmm. they had internal people working on the game telling them for the past year about these problems on last gen consoles and they just kept pushing for for adding new features and and wrapping up existing features and and not pushing for optimization or bug fixing at all. Mm-hmm. So like the, it was it was a, a it, it was always kind of that like uh 
I'm sure we'll get there in time kind of thing. Yep. You know, like, like we're not, we're not necessarily. Actually, it feels more to me like the classic problem you hear about it. And like, it's the classic antagonism between like management who's who's deadline and money focused and developers who are quality and features focused. Right. Uh, And QA that everybody just kind of brushes under the rug and tries to pay as little attention because, because people don't want, because QA's job is to say, Hey, this shit's broke. They're they're literally there to like fuck up your day in terms of like, if if your, if your view of how, how this uh, studio system works is that like, you just want to make features. You just want to make like cool new stuff. Then someone who ever tells you to like, Hey, to pump the brakes, pump the brakes, (laughs) like your shit's broke is going to annoy you. Um, And that's why we, you know, we talk about integrating this idea of quality through your whole company is the only way to make it so that when an engineer gets a feedback report from QA and they're like, hey, shit's broke, that the response is not, the response damn is the QA. Yeah, the response is like, oh, thank God you caught it before it shipped and Sony ripped us off their platform, right? Yeah. Like, and, yeah. ma- and management's response is, oh, I'm glad this got caught. Let's make sure this developer has time to fix this. Yes. Right? Like yeah. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. As, a, as opposed to, well, too bad. I guess we're, I'm going to still make this developer finish implementing their current features and fix the bug because now it's mandatory crunch time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which seems project will also be doing. So I think there's there's yeah. a lot of just, uh, frankly, you're seeing sort of the stack of bad business practices uh, come to fruition here. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm um, really curious to hear how much because because there's so much just behind the scenes, you know, business and and uh, and, and mm-hmm. like politics and stuff going on. That, that caused all of this to come out the way that it did. Um, I imagine over this next year uh, or you know half a year uh, in particular, there's going to be stuff is going to start to leak, and we're going to get access to more information. Um, and it'll just be so fascinating if somebody can put together like a whole what's the story coherent story, you know, from like start to finish. It's like I would I would I would read the shit out of a novelization of like. CD Projekt Red out, uh, and the development of Cyberpunk. Like, here's here's what it looked like from start to to launch. Right here's here's how this whole thing went down. That would be so fascinating. I mean, this is this is the stuff that like business books are made of. You yeah, know? like case studies. Yeah, of like management flying flying off the rails, sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I do think the the realization you know, we, like Seth, you mentioned earlier, the realization that the the rules do not apply equally. Even when you're going up against a clear, a clearly defined rule book that is individually checked, uh, has been one of those things that I think I, I personally have found have found most annoying about the cyberpunk stuff because, yeah, you know, like, like Adam said, the, the reality that like there is no fucking way this game passed cert. No, like no as way. a legit thing because like the cert, the certification team is doing like that's their job to say where it's broken and how, right? And honestly, like. As, uh, and again, as annoying as it is, like they're good at it. Look at yeah. they, do, they like Spawning they do catch a 0.3% every problem. Difference in font you know? size, like come on, yeah. Like they'll catch mm-hmm. everything, yeah. And that's what I mean. And like here we are complaining about like that they caught us. Like they caught us not exactly adhering to the rules, but like that's their job and they they do it well. Yeah. Well, yeah. But, then, but after that, it's the job <laughs> now between us to either now address that problem that they found, or for us to basically escalate, right? Because because right, because Cert's job is to say this does or does this not pass. That's the yeah. whole thing. And yeah. the next thing is now our job is either to fix it or to make an argument to somebody who is not the Cert team. Right? It's somebody who decides like what exactly what rules need to be followed under what conditions, and, and now evaluates it in context. Right? Yeah. And uh, and so that's that's where the that's where the deals and like exceptions and all kind of stuff get made. And and, like, and that, that actually like it makes sense. Right? It, it makes sense as a, as a as a way to do that. The difference is, of course, your level of access. So if you're a small developer with a small title, your ability to get a, a, a rule bent when you really need that rule to get bent, when it would be totally fine, it wouldn't go mm-hmm. against the goals of the of the platform, is very it's very hard and yeah. often impossible. So to see it happen at this scale to me is is genuinely disappointing. Like I'm I'm yeah. disappointed in the leadership of the platforms. Hundred yeah. percent. Because like to to not catch this, yeah. Well, because you know well, that because they caught. There's I mean, no I, well, not it, catching it. They, they didn't. Not. Honestly, though, I, here's the thing. I'm I'm not I'm not disappointed. I think it just kind of sucks for for everybody because like there's no there's no winners in this scenario, and and it it was also a very difficult situation to be in, right? Because think about it, like if you are a platform, this game with like literally more hype than any game I've ever seen. Yeah. Oh yeah, the biggest uh, the biggest hype train of all time. Its original launch date was April, 
right? And you're thinking like, I mean, it's been postponed since April through November. Like, surely, surely that's enough time for them to have resolved the issues that they postponed it for. Um, we have our cert team. They said there were some problems with the game, but also I just got off the phone with the CEO of the company who said that like, yeah, they'll have a day one patch and it's ready to go and don't worry about it. You know, and those problems are unbearable like, for like the normal user, the average user experience. It's or not, yeah, whatever. it's not that bad for the normal user experience, and they'll they'll be rapidly getting these things fixed up, and and uh, they they have a good track record. You know, they've got some great games already on the 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 portfolio there that our our players all love, and I'm not going to be I'm not going to be the platform who misses out on the sales, who who messes up the launch of this game that everybody wants. By saying like, no, we're going to respect the entire docket of cert guidelines, you know. Uh, so like, there's, yeah, I think the the problem with that mentality though is that there's a there's a there's literally a gap in responsibility in that scenario because essentially what what we're saying in this in this scenario is that there's no way for any party to actually be responsible uh, because of the inter- interdependence of the parts. Versus well, it, it's it's the problem of of everybody. This is like the customer's always right thing, which is like everybody wanted to respect the hype around the game. Hundred percent, right? Yeah. And like CD CD Project was like, we got to get this game out. I mean, look, just look at the hype around this game. This people are chomping at the bit. We've already delayed it multiple times, and they had like, and probably in, in Christmas. I think is like that's seen as like the, if you if you fail to deliver for Christmas, right? Uh, I think the the belief there is that the you basically implode the hype and you just like kill it because like there's some like I there's some belief in that thing as a as a real hardcore deadline. Yeah. So so they they basically put all these different platforms into a essentially impossible position because if you're if you're Microsoft, are you going to be like you know a lot of our customers maybe do own a PlayStation? Are we going to just send them over there to buy it? By us saying no, we're not going to let this game onto our platform in the current state. No, right? I'm saying yeah. I'm saying you, uh, at, at that level, you know, you should be making the call to your buddy at Sony <laughs> and being like, "Can we talk about this? Because this we- is <laughs> fucked." Like, because also also the whole promises of a day one patch thing. The day one patch goes through cert. Our patches go through cert. It's not just the first fucking time, right? Like that it gets checked. Right. <laughs> it is. It's yeah. just not the case. And so I think this is what what bothers me about it is this. I, I agree that it's a, it's a complicated situation. It's but a it, systemic design failure. Yes, and I think that the thing that's troublesome about it is the fact that uh, that it it wasn't able is the system is not designed like in such a way to allow for actual like really effective uh, you know, quality assurance when you're talking about the literally you want to talk about like the most important title of a year, if not of like a decade, right? This is essentially this was essentially it supposed to be it in the AAA space, right? And clearly yeah. it was in terms of sales volume. And to to not have a system that allows you to make sure that you don't implode your own store. Yeah, the system doesn't handle market pressure. Yes, correct, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. You you get a yeah, and the thing is like if they if they do uh, reject a a small indie title that has fifty pre orders, um, whatever. Yeah, like it's it's not it's we're, not really we're gonna, lucky just to be there. You know, like, we're just we're just happy to participate. You know? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and it's it's not going to crush the store. There's not going to be any news articles about that about the fact that that uh, you know your indie game was delayed. It's also not going to impact your quarterly uh, earnings at all, right? Which is a big yeah. Price. Or if it does, it you're probably ours, but yeah, but it's, yeah, it's theirs. Yeah. But if it does, you're not publicly traded. You don't have a share price. You don't have investors like banging mm-hmm. down the door who are pissed off that this thing got delayed. You know, so. So yeah, I think I think you're right though that like once the once the dollar amounts get high enough, all bets are off. Well, it will really what the it's incentive do is, for all parties is yes. basically to is to is to push through is yeah. to move money through the system. And I think yeah. this is okay. <laughs> this is why everyone you know everyone's complained about Ubisoft. You've complained about uh, Bethesda, EA, etc. And the reality is like the scale of these operations in these games is such that 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 the the money pressure associated with the launch of any one of them. Is going to be so high that it will it will almost always in all these scenarios eclipse any of the actual sort of quality. Yeah, well, I mean, but if they, like, what's the cost of another month of development for them? Yeah, right? it's tremendous. Eight hundred people, ten million, fifteen million. It's twenty gonna, it's, million it's dollars. Huge. Whatever it is, it's enormous, right? Yeah. And so, so that that six month delay that they had, like, because for us, a six month delay is extremely costly, right? And we're a six person team. Um, so yeah, so there's there's just huge financial pressure to get these things out. I think also what this speaks to is 
is the blown out scope of of new IP AAA titles. Because if you if, if you have an existing IP and you're making a sequel, like you can borrow so much of your work from a prior project mm-hmm. that you get kind of a shortcut into this huge project that you're making, right? Uh, it's still hard and costly, but when you're making a new IP with new technology, like trying to be on the cutting edge, trying to embrace like the newest uh, feature sets of new hardware and all this kind of stuff, uh, your scope is enormous. Yeah. It's just huge. And I think there's uh, there's actually just an interesting mismatch uh, in in and like the in reality and scoping of like and, and, and this is funny because you see this in, in for indie titles all the time like people are always making fun of like how like indies can't can't keep scope under control right nobody can keep scope nobody can keep scope <laughs> under control it's impossible and, and I think uh, in AAA the incentive is to have these just enormous games where every feature is new and like everything is really expensive and the end result of that is if if that's where all of the pressure is. And you're also doing that under these tight deadlines because it's so expensive to do that, that it just isn't a surprise that the end result in every scenario is like, okay, yeah, it does a whole bunch of things that are spectacular, but uh, you do have to just accept that some of it is going to be a shitty experience. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. What a, what a thing. Wild, wild ride. I, 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 do, I do think, though, that this is important. Um, like th- what's going on with uh, with this game? I think it's you know it's it's indicative of of a larger pattern. You know, we we saw it with things like when Fallout seventy six came out and just like the absolute mm-hmm. train wreck that that was. Like that that was a train wreck that just it just sort of kept going for like two months. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, there's there's a lot of practices that need to change in uh, in the AAA game space. And like to get in line with uh, like modern development practices, and and also the idea of like how could it be the case that management of a company would just completely ignore the yep. the people who are making the product? You know, yeah. people, if, how, if people how are that like, possible? Well, yeah, yeah, that's really the big problem here, right? It's not even about practice; it's about the complete lack of alignment between all the because because it should be that. That in that in a team who's trying to put a thing together to launch, that everyone's goal is the same, which is to it's to launch a successful product, right? And yeah, people have different opinions about which parts are the most important and so on, but you can get alignment on those things by paying attention to the full reality, right? So that if you sit down with a designer and the designer's like, oh, I really want it to be this because this is the perfect gameplay experience, and you say, and then you as the person managing money say, that's great, but there's not a chance in hell we can afford to do that. So how can we pare this down? Right. So, but again, the point is like you're aligning goals that everybody everybody knows that their thing isn't the most important thing. Yeah, you're working with the team's constraints. You're working with the team. And you if everyone has a picture of everyone else's constraints, like just enough of that, you get everybody aligned and then everybody's listening to everybody. And because if somebody comes to you and they say, with the constraints that we have, we are out of scope. It is not possible, right? And that's basically the issue we have with this game, right? Is that the constraints that it had were that it had to be out, right? By the end of the year. That was its number one constraint. With that constraint, that game was fucking out of scope. Their yep. launch plan was out of scope. It, <laughs> yeah. was not, it was not possible. And their options were basically just to do they could do two, they could do one of two things: remove the constraint and punt it to the next year, or they had to remove they had to cut down scope. Those were the two options, and apparently they didn't do either. <laughs> well, first they didn't do either, and then they didn't do the latter, right? Um, and yeah. maybe they did, but if they did, they didn't do it nearly enough. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I'm just, I'm watching a real life reenactment of the Phoenix project. <laughs> right. You know, like, mm-hmm. yep. it's, it's pretty wild. So anyways, I, so I don't think we have time for any questions. No, be it. We got to All, dunk on people today. That was the. I, although our top question is from Vuvu987, who says, what are your thoughts on the modern AAA environment and the practices that take place within it? <laughs> there so, you go. Well, you know, we kind of retroactively answered that one. Yeah, uh, we'll call that one. We'll call that one answered. Although the, we, we're not speaking to all of AAA, and and of course, like trip, like we, we're not in AAA. We don't really know what's actually going on behind the scenes, right? Um, we just know what we hear from other people. Um, and of course, any different company is different than any other company. Um, what? But we we do get to see these glimpses here and there when when a game launches, right? And when we hear uh, whisperings from people uh, leading up to a game launch, um, it's. In general, the picture is not pretty, I guess, is, is the short yep. of it. Yeah. Although it's also probably the case 
that we rarely hear about when things just went smoothly and nothing. Went oh yeah, yep. yeah. There, it must be pretty <laughs> somewhere, right? There must be some. There must be a few places that are doing a decent job. Yeah, I mean, FIFA twenty one launched and outsold uh, outsold Cyberpunk, and I haven't heard a thing about it. <laughs> yeah. I I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it was terrible to work on, but also maybe it was totally fine. I don't even know, know who made it. Yeah, I think it's EA, it's EA, EA but EA doesn't make, make games. I don't think they just pay. They just buy companies to make them for them and then shut those companies down. It's my understanding. That's I'm going to start calling FIFA an asset flip just for fun. I, <laughs> I mean, sometimes they do forget to change like the logos in the game when they're repackaging yep. the same game year over year. So, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it kind of – it's an asset flip of itself. Yep, though. That's you true. Know? So that, but that's so, okay. But so is soccer slash football slash every sport already. Like every year, it's the same game. Rules are the same. Graphics are the same. It's always the same. I mean, like in real life, right? In real life, yeah. So it's always Chess the same. Chess uh, Yeah, like the, the only difference is like some <laughs> some faces and some logos change. That's the only difference every year. Yeah, yeah, it's all the same. All right, well, that's all the time we have for this week. We'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Coster, for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the community, just go to podcast.bscotch.net, where we have links to the Discord, a way for you to donate, and links to the archives. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.